and welcome back to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotspeech. Listeners, this episode is brought to you by the National Pork Board. Request your free on-farm sustainability report at porkcheckoff.org backslash sustainability. Well, listeners, um, welcome back to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. We are on, oh, I can't remember, 112? Yeah. Holy moly. I can't even, somebody asked me the other day, how long have you been doing the podcast? I'm like, well, I know we're above a hundred episodes and I think that's more than two years. Right. Hard to believe. Welcome to my, um, scattered brain. But, um, I think let's, let's just dive right into the episode. Um, we've been hearing a lot about supply chain issues and, stuff. I know at least in my circle, trucks getting delivered late and lumber and, and steel. Um, and so this week we thought we'd bring on, um, miss Maria to discuss with us kind of what they're seeing on a day-to-day basis on, on some of the supply shortages and what they're experiencing. So thanks Maria for joining us this week. Thank you for asking me to be with you. It's a pleasure. Well, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and a little bit about your operation? Maria has been with us before and she's Catherine's mom. So it helps to, to make a reference to a previous podcast that she joined us on. Um, but Maria, if you wouldn't mind giving another quick introduction about yourself and your operation. I would be delighted. We have a dairy located in West Central Utah. And currently we're milking approximately 5,000 cows on three facilities that are fairly close together, thank goodness. My husband and I began burying in New England, uh, 30, oh no, no, that's not right, 40 years ago. (laughs) Somebody is getting older than necessary. Um, And we relocated to Utah about 26 and a half years ago and grew our herd and our family. And we are delighted to have uh, our oldest son involved in the business and his wife. And our middle son is uh, works for a feed company close by. So he is involved, just not right on the dairy. And of course, Catherine is one of our two favorite podcasters. <laughs> well, thank you for that introduction, Mom. Um, you and I were having a conversation earlier this week, and you were you were talking about all the different ways that um, the supply chain backups and mess ups and everything have affected uh, you guys on the dairy. So, I guess first, give us some. Give us some examples of things that have been going sideways, and then we'll we'll sort of dive into it and and see what it really means for you guys. Okay, uh, I gave you a whole long list, and the first was kind of a rant thing because it was more <laughs> of a consumer issue than an actual producer on the farm issue. But uh, that was that I went to the grocery store to buy cream you know I mean we make an awful lot of cream on the dairy but uh don't actually keep any of it there so I just needed some for uh, a project I was doing and there was none there was uh none no kind of cream there was 
very little milk actually on the shelf. Uh, I was really horrified because that's our product and, and whatever, okay? It was a holiday weekend and all that kind of stuff, but still, it shouldn't be that a product that we produce every day and I know gets, uh, gets packaged and, and delivered every day should not be on a shelf in my grocery store. So that was that was my rant. And I, I guess I probably toned it down a lot for the podcast. But uh, <laughs> but here on here on the dairy, some things that are are really troubling to us are uh, we cannot. I shouldn't say cannot, but it's very difficult and increasingly difficult to get feed here on the dairy and. We, one of the troubles is that we kind of are out of the way, but, um, but there is a double rail line that goes right through town and, and of course our son works for the local feed company and, and so there should be feed very locally. There's more than one uh, company that, that gets feed off this rail line, but just trying to get um, our commodities in is tremendously difficult. I'll probably uh, be in trouble for saying this, but rail spelled backwards is liar. And, and we quite <laughs> often feel like that's what's going on. Um, uh, a case in point is that two years ago, excuse me, two weeks ago, we... Um, we had ordered some feed and, and we, we have, of course, um, great technology that allows us to follow our feed cars from the source in, in North Dakota or, or wherever it's coming from. And um, this car was due to be dropped in Delta and somehow that didn't happen and so they took it down to the next uh rail yard about oh i want to say 100 miles south of here and then you know that's no big deal they can just you know drop it there and catch it on the way back and what they actually did is sent it to long beach california our one little lonely car of feed. And then because nobody knew what to do with it there, it stayed there for a week. Meanwhile, we're here trying to scramble and fill in what we can, messing around with the um, with our rations and things to try to match the, the protein and, and other nutrient levels that we need with a different product that we could get. And, and that's just, uh, you know, it's not good for the cows. And then when they got done with all of that, um, they finally did bring the car back and uh, that was nice of them, I guess. Uh, but that, but our big trouble was we didn't have that feed for the cows and the cows I'm sure both of you cowgirls know, and probably many of the listeners do too, is that cows really and truly enjoy consistency. It makes their lives very happy. And 
And when we have issues like this, where we can't get a product or we can't get enough of a product and we have to keep tweaking that ration and switching it around, I mean, they'll eat it and it, it's fine and uh, a very nutritious thing for them, but their guts take a little bit to adjust. And, and always when the gut is doing that on a cow, something has to give and that's usually milk production. So that's, um, that's one um, issue. We then, on the other end of the uh, production line, when our dairy cows are ready for a change of venue or a change in career, we're having a terrifically difficult time getting slaughter dates scheduled. The we have had in the past a local um, slaughterhouse, and that was awesome because the cows only had to travel about an hour and a half, and um, and that makes us happy when the animals don't have to be on a trailer for a long time. But um, they that particular business couldn't, of course, they were affected by COVID, but then um, following that, they've just struggled to get labor, to get people to come and work. And I know slaughterhouse work is hard work, but still they couldn't get anybody. And, and with very little notice, they decided that they were going to be done. And suddenly we didn't have our local market for the cows that would leave the dairy on you know a weekly or bi-weekly basis and so now those cows have to go to Arizona, California, um, maybe to Idaho. It's all a little bit farther than that hour and a half that was so super good for for everyone and then uh, we do have what we call fat cows, cows that are healthy and happy and just not making any milk. And so they're gonna go be somebody else's uh, lovely hamburger. And um, we, we used to be able to you know, call on a Friday and have a date for the following Wednesday and trucks were not hard to find and boom, they'd be gone. And now we're having to schedule three months out. My daughter-in-law just called last week to, uh, to set up uh, an appointment for some cows. And she turned around and looked at me and said, you won't believe what they just told me we could have for a kill date. And I said, I was being facetious. I said, oh, April? And she said, March. And I'm like, what? what that's you know we can't do that you know i guess we could but what's the sense of feeding animals who aren't going to be producing for you so that's another issue here on the ground uh then you know in the in the deliveries and things like that finding of course, we get a lot of things in on semis, uh, milk replacer, um, oh, yeah, 
all sorts of things like that. Milk replacer is a big one. And again, this is a recent happening when um, we, my husband went out to, uh, to meet the trucker who was delivering 24 pallets of milk replacer. And the guy, John said, well, I'll, I'll grab the, um, the pallet forks and uh, if you'll if you'll use the the hand pallet mover, I'll I'll run these in and get them put in the warehouse. And the guy looked at him and said, the driver looked at him and said, I, I don't do that. Like, what do you mean? I don't touch anything on a load. He wouldn't even unstrap the load. So John had to do that. And you know, he unstrapped, dropped straps on the ground and hopped up into the trailer and um, pallet jacked 24 pallets, one at a time, up to the door on the semi, on the trailer, and then hopped down, got on the, um, on the forklift and took them off and jumped back up into the truck and dragged another pallet up and got down and did that. 24 times and I'd say he's in pretty good shape while the driver stood there and watched him and then so this irritated John just a bit and when he got all done uh, he signed on the on the receipt and the driver said well aren't you going to pick up the straps what? <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, you pick up your own straps and, um, and try your best not to come back here. And when you call, which we did, we called the trucking company and said, hey, um, you know, this has not been our experience in the past. What's going on? And they said, oh, no, it's not supposed to be like that. He is supposed to help, but we also can't get drivers. So the driver who shows up is better than no driver at all. And, and you know, milk replacer is another thing that we cannot do without. And so we're getting pretty good at dragging pallets out of trailers. On a, on a smaller basis, just little things like um, filters or uh, scheduled maintenance on the tractors and trucks and and um, parts and just all the, I want to call them diddly little things that you need every day. All those sorts of things are just very difficult to come by. And if, if our local parts store says, yeah, we can get, you know, four of those filters and we only need one, we're going to get four because having them on the shelf is better than having somebody say, sorry, those are, you know, eight weeks out or something like that. So, um, yeah, that, it makes life difficult here on the ground, trying to get things done and doing things right. And so the whole supply chain, and of course, COVID, COVID is a great um, excuse for anybody for anything. And, um, and we, we here on the dairy have certainly had our, our share of um, that little trouble. And, and our people are super good to 
to make sure that their vaccinations are up to date and that they um, try hard to to um, you know avoid people who are sick and stay home if they are sick. But oh my gosh, it's it's all a challenge these days. For sure, and we're going to take a quick pause right here, listeners, to um, hear from our sponsors for this podcast. As a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and the planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create a free on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report at porkcheckoff.org backslash sustainability. Well, it's kind of funny. I guess it's not funny, but just listening to you talk that the signs around Twin Falls anyway, um, say, be patient, the new pandemic is short staffed. And I think that just summarizes and I, what you've, you've laid out and it's, it's not, you know, the milk and, and I guess, I don't think we have a shortage of milk. It's a shortage of getting all these little pieces to get the milk on the grocery shelf or the cream so that you can buy it. Is that correct? I believe that that is true. Again, uh, it's difficult to get labor and to get people who will actually show up and do a job, especially a job that might be a little labor intensive. So that that is a trouble. I know our our milk hauler sometimes has difficulty uh, keeping employees and again the milk plant, you know, if 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 they have too many people sick, that slows things down there and and it, it is just a domino effect. So I, I think you hit that one on the head. There's not, not a shortage of milk by no means in the United States. And how long has this been going on? I know when COVID hit, we had you know folks that were um, dumping milk and so forth happening because um, they didn't have workers at the plant. And then it seemed like it picked back up, but it seems like it's gotten almost worse recently. How how long have you guys have been experiencing these these effects? So always, probably forever is the right answer to that. But um, in the past, our uh, our um, driver, well, not the drivers probably, but the dispatcher. Now, if milk can't go to one plant, then then they will quickly find another one to divert that milk. And and I think that there's not that availability so much anymore. People and plants are running, you know, they'll they'll run full, but they're not necessarily real interested in um and taking extra because again, making sure that you have the sale, making sure that you have uh, transportation to get it to where it needs to go. And of course, we're talking about a perishable product. So you can't send it to Long Beach and let it sit there for a week. So that's, um, you know, milk is, is an interesting commodity from that perspective, but it is, it is much more difficult to get that, um, 
that switch made if milk needs to be diverted more so than it has been in the past. So what kind of things have you been doing to kind of to to cope with these shortages, both with with um, with products that you need and with labor? I mean, are you having to get creative? That's a nice way to put it. I know <laughs> we you know we have our payroll is a twice a month. And when we're going through and one of the metrics that we use is how many milkings should there be? And so there's, you know, there's say four people on a shift in one barn and there's three shifts a day. So that should be 12 different um, people. And quite often, that's just one barn, quite often we'll see um, somebody with a double we call them, you know, they might start milking at five in the morning. And then because someone is sick or needs an extra day or just didn't feel like coming today, um, they will stay, have, have the break in between uh, milkings on a shift and then, um, and then milk until nine o'clock that night. And that's, that's a tremendous amount of work and I don't know how how they can do it I think you would have to carry me out on a stretcher or something because I can't do that but um but some of our employees do and and then we have the situation where somebody might say I can do half a milking but then someone else has to come for the other half so our parlor manager is tremendously creative and um, and he he has to work hard to keep people in their milking cows getting done what needs to get done and and some of the other crews will pitch in um, to you know the, the hospital crew might chase in a pen of cows or something like that um, to help fill in a little bit to keep everything rolling and so that's you know, from our own perspective on labor, that's the creativity there. Um, remind me what the other half of that question was. <laughs> labor was one part. Oh, for, for getting, what are we doing for other, uh, for supplies and things like that. So again, um, having more on hand than we might actually need in a given time period is um, is what we've been doing now. We have we do have um, a lot of things on the shelf that we probably wouldn't have if it hadn't been for supply chain issues. Um, I know it's been a long time and most of the world can get toilet paper, but uh, the toilet paper for the barns, which is big rolls that, um, that go in a, a, a bigger box, um, that's an adventure to find. And and of course, when you do find it, well, you can only have one package. So like, but I'm a business and I need, you know, I have a business account, but this is, we need this. Like, nope, you can have one. And, you know, one, one package of toilet paper at your home is, is, you know, one thing. But when we have, again, you know, 80 or 85 employees and, 
people are needing the restroom. I mean, it's, yeah, that's a difficulty. So we do tend to have more on hand than, um, than we might otherwise. Another just this morning, our um, local supplier called uh, saying that he had sourced some shavings, which is what we put in the little calf bins that the, the newborns actually spend their first 24 hours in. So it's clean and dry and warm for them. And, and they're having a hard time actually, uh, Valine, you'll appreciate this. These shavings come from Idaho and we, um, you know, we, we can't get what we need. And, and I said, Hey, we've got 600 cows due this month and we gotta have shavings. Again, it's gotta have, it's not just a nice thing. And we gotta have them. And so he actually brought two pallets today, which he was able to find um, at a different store in the state, which was nice. But again, you know, we're spending money that does that we normally wouldn't spend to keep extra on hand of almost everything so that we don't run out if there is a supply chain issue and you know in the in the medicines and things um a lot of the facilities that produce um medicine for us will probably you know they'll be again diverted to doing human medicine things so that um so that people in hospitals can have what they need, which I agree is tremendously important, but it doesn't help us when, you know, we need that product too. And we can't get it because, you know, every hospital in the known world is um, trying to get a product and we're not high on the list. So are you also noticing a price increase with say, Besides trucking cost increases, are you seeing the product itself being increased in price? Yes, that does happen too, because, you know, the products and, you know, anything that goes to make up, say, a filter or um, a bottle of medicine or whatever, you know, that stuff doesn't just appear out of thin air. Again, there's a supply chain behind that, and, and it is... Uh, a challenge for them to get what they need and and therefore the price will go up because you know somebody upped their price and so yes we are having to spend more and and that's you know a bit of a sticking point when here we are with a budget that you know we we trim pretty tightly anyway and um, stick to as much as we can and and you have to magic the money out of somewhere to, to keep things going. So yes, costs are increasing as well for, for us. We'll pause one more time right here, listeners, to hear from the National Pork Board. As a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and the planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create a free on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report at, the pork, at porkcheckoff.org backslash sustainability. Well, Maria, we thank you so much for coming on and to discuss some of the 
the supply chain issues, which I think are stemming from labor issues, as it sounds like, um, and just giving examples of what what day-to-day dairy operations are, are struggling with and getting creative and figuring out how to how to make your operation continue to operate on a day-to-day basis. Is there anything else you would like to add or leave our listeners with? Again, it is our pleasure to produce food for our consumers and and people who enjoy and need dairy, which is a super nutritional food. And it's, we love our cows. We love to keep them healthy and happy and producing things that make the rest of the world healthy and happy as well. Awesome. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Um, and thank you listeners for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Um, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can also email us at talktous at millennialag.com. Until next week, we are Millennial Ag. Millennial Ag.